Do you hear that? No, your earbuds aren't broken. There's not really much to hear. That's kind of the point. Because this is the sound of me test driving a brand new electric car. My first time driving one, actually. It's whisper quiet. And in hindsight, not the most podcast-friendly activity. But it's really fun. Ooh. Maybe too much fun? I kind of forgot that even in an electric car, you still need to use the turn signals. Signal, please. Of course. (laughs) That's Mary, by the way, my chaperone on the test drive. And I better learn where those turn signals are soon. Because by 2035, Canada will require all new cars to be emissions-free like this one. Sure, that sounds a ways off, but the transition is starting as we speak. Sooner than you might think, electric vehicles won't be a novelty anymore. So we're dedicating this episode to learning the ins and outs of electric vehicles, or EVs for short. And to do that, we're visiting a place called the Plug and Drive Electric Vehicle Discovery Centre here in Toronto. Scotiabank's one of the sponsors. It's a one-stop shop where people can learn about EVs, ask questions, and of course, take a test drive. They have a whole bunch of different electric cars from a bunch of brands in one handy location. And Plug and Drive CEO and President, Kara Clareman, has agreed to give us a tour and answer our EV questions along the way. So let's get started. I'm Stephen Maurice, and this is Perspectives. I'm standing in a parking lot on a busy weekday morning. We're in the north end of Toronto. Testing, testing. Stephen speaking into the boom mic. The lot is dotted with brand new vehicles ready to be test driven. You might think we're at a car dealership, except the showroom we're about to visit is actually run by a nonprofit, headed up by Kara Clareman. Hi, Kara. Nice to meet you. I'm Stephen. Nice to meet you too. And Kara's on a mission to get more people driving EVs. All right, well, let's just go on in. And the showroom she's walking us through today, she calls it the Discovery Center, plays a big part in that. What we learned really early on was that the test drive is the thing. You have to give people the chance to try the car because they had a lot of uh, misconceptions about the car. And I think that's true today, too. Our stats tell us that about six months after visiting here, about 35 to 40 percent of the people have already bought the car. Really? So we know it's, it's working. Kara starts us on our tour. And this is our EV 101 zone. So There's colorful wall-sized diagrams, timelines, interactive screens with stats. It's like you're at the Science Center. Well, we like to actually, it's funny that you say that because we say here it's Science Center meets car showroom. And just like at a regular showroom, Kara's first step is to ask the customer about their driving habits. Do they commute? Is it their second car? But unlike at a traditional showroom, the next step isn't selling a car. It's dealing with those misconceptions she mentioned earlier. Kara opened the center five years ago, and the hangups she finds people have around EVs are kind of the same now as they were then. It was like they thought either it was more of a golf cart or it was a very expensive car. So it was one of those two extremes that they had in their mind. Believe it or not, there's now close to 60 models of EVs available in Canada. And by this time next year, there'll be more than 100. So, you know, I mean, you see here we have three SUVs, we have a couple of crossovers, we've got some smaller cars, we got like a whole mix and you know the trucks are coming so that this year. So uh, so that's going away as an issue. Right now a new electric vehicle usually runs about $10,000 more than its gas counterpart. And if it qualifies for the federal incentive, that would take it down to about 5,000. So it's not a huge amount, but it's still significant. So that 5,000 you're easily going to make back in 2 to 3 years because you're not going to be filling up that EV with gas. Gas that currently costs about 2 bucks a liter. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. Uh, I plugged in overnight last night. And it cost me less than 30 cents equivalent 
per liter, if you do the math of comparing, you know, electricity to gas. So, I mean, you have to show people how, yes, you're going to pay a little bit more up front, but you're going to save every year. So that takes care of the first common misconception. And then the other one that we usually end up getting into pretty early is range. It's a big preoccupation. So you have to help people. You say, well, how much do you drive? And they say, well, my work is here. And I, you know, I go to hockey, I go to grandma, whatever things. Mm. And typically those things are 10, 20, 30 kilometers. They're not far. But then EVs these days average about 300 kilometers on one charge. By the way, a full tank of gas will get you about 400, just for comparison. Either way, the average Canadian only drives about 30 to 50 kilometers a day. So, it's nothing. In fact, you're, you're just using only a third or not even of, of the battery capacity mo- for most of those vehicles. So really, you don't need a big battery range. It's more psychological than real for the daily drive. For but for all the misconceptions, one thing is clear to most people who walk through the doors here. The environmental benefits of EVs. And because of that... It's not only customers clambering to get them, it's whole countries. And because there's so many countries making climate commitments, there's really no other easy-ish way of hitting some of those targets without doing a transportation transition. Like here in Canada, transportation is the second largest emitting sector. In Ontario, it's actually number one. And so you actually can't achieve the climate goals without transportation. And EV is not the only way, obviously, but it's a major way, as well as electrifying transit and other things. But it's, it's a huge piece of it. Of course, the electricity, the E in EV, still needs to be generated somewhere. So the actual emissions depend on where you plug it in. If you charge up somewhere that relies on lots of renewables to power their grid, things like hydropower in Quebec or Manitoba or BC you might see a 90 to 95% emission reduction versus your standard gas-powered car. But even if you plug into a grid that generates power with little to no renewables, it's still less emissions than a standard car. The fact is that an internal combustion engine just isn't that efficient compared to any type of large power plant. You know, EVs are actually an environmental improvement pretty much anywhere in the world that you drive them. Of course, the cleaner the electricity grid, the lower the emissions. All right, so then usually once we've kind of covered the basics on uh, cost and on environmental benefit and, you know, sort of what EVs are all about, we'll start uh, talking about charging. We head to another part of the showroom, and there's an array of chargers on display. They look like high-tech central vacs, and using one of these instead of a gas pump is another potential hurdle for newcomers to EVs. Everyone has got a gas station mindset. They're used to going out to get their fuel. And so when you say you're going to charge at home most of the time, people can't really imagine how that is. And then they'll say, well, how long does it take? So people imagine they're going to be coming home every night dead empty, which they're not. And also they're used to standing there, you know, filling their vehicle. And when they say how long, I sort of say, well, how long does it take to charge your phone? And they'll say, I don't know. And I say, that's how I feel about my car. I don't know. I plug it in at night, and then I come out in the morning, it's charged. I don't know how many hours it took. I suppose I could look it up. I do like 98% of my charging at home. I go on the odd road trip, and that's the only time I use public charging. And if you do have to top up your EV on a road trip, you'll probably be using a different type of charger than at home. They break down into three levels. Level one just uses a standard electrical outlet. All the cars can be charged on level one. The challenge with doing that is it takes a long time. 
So most people, when they charge at home, it'll be with a level two charger. One end goes into your car, the other into one of those big washer-dryer plug outlets. Or you can get a box installed on your wall. Kara's got one mounted here to show people. Yeah, so these are just some examples of home chargers that you can buy on our store. Then there are level three chargers. These will charge your car from empty to full in about 40 to 45 minutes. They're the quick chargers that you might have seen at shopping malls or highway rest stops. There's actually EV charging stations all along the Trans-Canada Highway every 250 kilometers or so. And some of these chargers can even text you when your battery is full. How thoughtful. Out in front of the Discovery Center, Kara shows me how one of these things actually works. She starts by pulling a card out of her wallet. And so basically you tap. She presses her card up against a small box mounted on a pole. There you go. And then you just take the wand and you wand. just snap it on. That's it. It's actually kind of anticlimactic. I know, people imagine that it's going to be difficult, right? They imagine, well, how am I going to do it? Where am I going to charge? How am I going to charge? It's like, it's actually very pleasant, and it's going to be one-sixth the price. And while we're outside, we get looking at some of the EVs they have here for people to test drive. This one's an SUV. Nice car. Well, it looks like a regular car. That is, until you pop the hood. It's got a combustion engine and an electric motor. It's a plug-in hybrid. This one has about a 50-kilometer range before the gas engine kicks in. Kara jokingly calls plug-in hybrids like this one gateway drugs to a full EV. And for those who do make the switch to a fully electric vehicle, what we're doing right now, popping open the hood, is apparently something you rarely have to do. Gas-powered cars have hundreds of moving parts. EVs have barely any. And so when you think about maintenance and repair, I mean, there's just very little to break and to fix in an EV. And how long would the battery typically last? That's a good question. And the truthful answer is we don't actually know because the oldest EV is like 10, 11 years old. The data so far suggests the batteries are gonna outlast the car. Also, the battery is warrantied. Most of these models uh, that you're gonna see here, the warranty is eight years on the battery. So if the automaker is giving you an eight year warranty, they believe it's gonna last longer than that. Uh, so chances are you will never have to replace the battery in the life of the car. We hear that question, like what, if I have to replace the battery, that's gonna be really expensive. But for the most part, you will never, you will never have to do that. And one of those cars with a brand new battery is sitting just a few feet away. It's a very cool kind of space agey looking silver car. It's a fresh off the lot Hyundai Ionic 5. I'm about to take it for a test drive. This will be my first time driving an electric car. I'm very excited about this. Kara's seen countless people like me come through here and try an EV for the first time. And as soon as they turn the car on, they all say the same thing. Everyone says, is it on? Because it's so quiet and it's sort of like in a gas car when you just turned your accessories on and you didn't actually turn the car on because there's nothing. People are just like, wow, I can't, I can't believe it, right? So that's the first thing. And then the pickup. The pickup on an EV, you just can't beat it. So you'll that. notice that. Yeah. It's instant torque, right? Like, so it's not like gas, you actually, there's a little delay. Yeah. Whereas with the EV, like you just go awesome on the highway if you want to pass somebody. <laughs> That's all well and good, but lucky for you, dear listener, I'm not afraid to get answers to the real pressing questions when it comes to this new technology. I want to see if an electric horn sounds different from a gas-powered horn. No, it sounds the same. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling satisfied at having fulfilled my journalistic duties, I head inside to take care of another very important matter. Filling out the test drive waiver. Uh, age. I don't need to say that out loud. Uh, wow. Income level. After filling out 25 and podcaster, respectively, 
I head back outside to meet Mary. Hi there. How are you doing? Remember her? She's the one taking me out on my test drive. So we get in, buckle up, and we're off. Again, there's not much to hear, but I've driven a lot of cars, gas-powered cars. And driving an EV is familiar, but totally different. It's actually amazing. It feels really smooth. I mean, how often is doing something so eco-friendly so fun as well? The pickup is awesome. It's so quick. It's a very nice ride. But let's say I wanted to head to my local dealership right now and buy a brand new electric vehicle like this one. As Kara tells me back in the showroom, at least here in Ontario, they'll probably say, take a number. There are a lot of used EVs on the market, but if you want a new one, they just don't have the supply right now. So you're going to wait. And some people can't wait. So uh, that's a big challenge right now. It's going to change. Lots of brands are ramping up production, but those cars may not arrive for another year or a year and a half. So it's going to be a while. And so it's a struggle right now. Kara says part of the issue is that different jurisdictions do things differently. Provinces like BC and Quebec, states like California, just have better incentives to buy an EV. Yeah, so there's really good rebates in certain provinces like British Columbia and Quebec. So when there's a limited supply of vehicles, the vehicles tend to go to those provinces. And those provinces also have mandates where if you want to sell new cars, a certain percentage need to be electric. Those types of mandates are coming soon Canada-wide, according to the federal environment minister. They're called zero emission vehicle mandates or ZEV mandates. And I think we need that ZEV mandate or standard because we're competing with the world. The supply goes where the demand is and it's hard to compete. I mean, you look at Norway, 90% of the new car sales are electric. So we can look to them to see what policies have they implemented. They've done sort of a whole suite of things. They also have a lot of other EV-friendly policies that are a lot less expensive. For example, like certain parking incentives and HOV lane incentives in the main cities. They've done just more on their building code. So they're just sort of tackling everything. Which brings us right back to Canada's 2035 commitment I mentioned in the intro. All new cars, emissions-free. Kara says it's ambitious, but can be done. And that sentiment also sums up what she does here at Plug and Drive. You know, it's arduous, one person at a time and everything. And you mm-hmm. think, wow, that's a slow process, but it works. And we are convincing people. And each car that we switch actually has a really significant environmental benefit. So feel good about that. That was Kara Clareman, president and CEO of Plug and Drive. We'll put a link in the description and on the story page to where you can find out more about what Plug and Drive does and their in-person events across Canada. You've been listening to Perspectives. For a transcript of this episode, visit our website, scotiabank.com perspectives. We'll see you next time.